So yes, thank you for introducing what we've already been looking at. Where would Jesus be? And I've been given the task of Jesus at a party. Um, And the first thing that came to mind was when Jesus turned water into wine. However, Sam had other plans and and gave me the verse, which uh, is Mark 2, 13 to 17. And I'm just going to read it out for you guys um, and go from there. Once again, Jesus went out beside the lake. He loves that lake, doesn't he? He's always there. A large crowd came to him, and he began to teach them as he walked along. Oh, sorry. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, Jesus told him. And Levi got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Levi's house, Many tax collectors and sinners were eating with him and his disciples, for there were many who followed him. When the teachers of the law, who were Pharisees, saw him eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they asked his disciples, Why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners." Right. You see, there's this um, sociological phenomenon or thing um, just within our very nature, uh, which is this idea of the them and us mentality. We, as, as creatures, as beings, we're tribal. We kind of huddle together particular things that we like or um, are similar to us, um, and that is something that we've been created as, but with the fall and with sin, it's been turned into a negative thing, and actually we start to isolate ourselves. There's actually many studies done on this, um, and there's not much depth to why we actually become tribal. So there was one instance where um, just at the flick of a coin, groups of boys were separated out. If you've got heads, you're over here. If you're tails, you're put over here. They were doing different tasks. And throughout the day, it became apparent that people, nothing more than the random act of being heads, would see their group as being better than the others. They'd have more in in common with them, they felt. They felt that they had more to offer. They felt that they um, brought more to the table. And actually, the other people just at the flick of a coin, the heads, were something where actually maybe they were lesser than, they weren't quite as good as the group that they were in. And unfortunately, I feel like we do that with religion as well, or with faith, with our beliefs, and we have a them and us mentality. We're here in this church, we are us in this instance, and them out there. And I think... We we're, I feel like there's a barrier there that needs to be kind of broken down because it's very difficult for people to kind of be bridged across that them and us mentality. Um, it's very, very difficult. It's a big chasm, in fact, I think. I've described this concept kind of before. Um, I don't know if you guys remember the football match analogy. Um, I'll, tell, I'll tell it again very briefly for those that weren't there or can't remember. But there's this idea that we are Team Christian, and we're playing a game of football. 
against the rest of the world all-stars. And the idea is that you're trying to score as many goals as you can, obviously in football, to try and win the match. And the way that that's done um, potentially is through loving them or maybe a little bit more of actually, not aggressively, but like standing up for things and being a little bit more in your face about it. Some hard tackles going in maybe. And it's all about trying to score against them. And then Jesus walks across the pitch, disrupts the whole game, and says, come and follow me. And then there's that moment of realization where it's not them and us. It's not about scoring goals, but it's actually just following Jesus. And Jesus is that score. Do people remember that analogy? I know I've, kind of, I've gone through it quite quickly, but I just thought it was apt for, for where we are now. I'm going to kind of come back to that point in a bit. But I just want to add a little bit of context to the whole idea of who Levi, also known as Matthew. Everybody has different names, multiple names, just to confuse everybody else. Uh, So Levi is Matthew, or, well, the significant um, uh, support for that. And um, he was a tax collector. Now, back in these times, tax collectors were considered to be pretty much the lowest of the low. Um, And the reason for that was that they were taking taxes from their fellow Jews, the fellow um, nationals, and giving it to the occupying government of Rome, and taking some money for themselves as well. They were known to be kind of cheats um, and extortionists. Pharisees tended not to even talk to them because of the significance of taking money and giving it to Rome, where they believed actually only God was worthy of that. And so to give it to somebody else, an occupying government, was very difficult for them to comprehend. But this is another example of how Jesus doesn't think that anybody is beyond the pale. That the average man would have thought is impossible to reform Levi, Matthew. But to God, all things are possible. As interesting, Matthew became the first person to write down the teachings of Jesus. And we read the gospel now. So... The Pharisees in that passage show a them and us mentality. They're the ones that question, why is it that Jesus is sitting down with these people, these sinners and tax collectors, the lowest of the low? How come he's not separated himself? How come he's in that environment? They're very much looking at it as them and us. And the Apostle Paul is another example Where are we going? There we are. That was Levi, by the way. Jesus. It's a little bit creepy, actually. Anyway, we'll move on. So this is uh, in Corinthians, Paul's writing. Though I am free and belong to no one, I have made myself a slave to everyone, to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I become like a Jew to win the Jews. 
To those under the law, I become like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. Becomes a little bit of a mouthful. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law, though I am not free from God's law, but am under Christ's law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all this for the sake of the gospel, that I may share in its blessings. See, Paul is using the freedom that he now has to kind of springboard into other people's lives. He's not hanging back and waiting for grace, uh, sorry, drifting on grace and waiting for things to happen. And when I was kind of thinking about that, I had this idea of the Venus flytrap that kind of waits for things to come its way before it's um, able to actually engage. I know it might be a slightly negative thought there, but it's just the whole waiting around and waiting for things to come to, to it. But actually, uh, Paul is getting his lamp and he's putting it high on a lampstand so that others can see it. He's being proactive. He's like, if these people over here have dietary regulations and they're not allowed to eat pork, no pork for me. And then he's over here with the Gentiles and he's like, I love bacon. (laughs) (laughs) He's all things to all men. He's like, that doesn't actually matter, really, in the whole scheme of things. If they don't eat pork, I'm going to be with them and not eat pork. Does that example make sense? He's engaging with their culture, enjoying the things that they enjoy. He mentions that he's under Christ's law. He won't be taken to to sinning against God in these environments. But he's engaging with what he can, the good things that are there seeing the common ground and not seeing all these separations and jumping onto, well, this is wrong. You know, we're, the pork thing's no longer true anymore. Or He's not saying that. It's engaging with them. I'm putting that example onto him. There's no biblical references to him actually saying pork for everybody. But, yeah, he's not bulldozing their values and putting his own opinions in there. He's showing God's love through his lifestyle of loving people. There's, um, there was a documentary on BBC Three. It's actually 10 years ago, and I couldn't believe it when I was um, looking back. And uh, we had it recorded on this old hard drive, uh, which I managed to get my hands on. Dad had it in a cupboard somewhere. Um, and the documentary was still saved on it. It was the first thing on this hard drive next to um, Tottenham winning the Carling Cup final. I couldn't believe that was 10 years ago. (laughs) Sad times. Last trophy. But it was this uh, documentary where a a top music artist, uh, sorry, music producer, um, wanted these different um, bands to come together and kind of slam them together. Very different thoughts, very different musical styles, and just wanted to kind of create some drama. And it's actually from the same makers as Big Brother. So you can kind of feel where the stance, where they were coming from, the standpoint. And on this particular episode, there was this Christian band called Dweeb. Does anybody know Dweeb? No? Oh, dear. Luke's nodding his head. 
They were quite big when, so we were talking 10 years ago. Um, they were, they were not big, but within the Christian scene, they were going around different festivals like Soul Survivor, and that's where I kind of came in contact with them. And they were pretty good musicians, um, and they just wanted to live for Christ. Their lyrics, everything about them was all about promoting the gospel. And this kind of came out on this documentary when they were um, quizzed on why is it that you do what you do? Why is it that you want to play music? And so there was this dwee band that were going to be put into this home house to live alongside another band and see this drama unfold. They arrived first, settled down, and uh, started admiring the soft furnishings. And on one side of the house was the word God, which was a symbol for them and their band. And then controversially, on the other wall was the word whore a symbol for the band that they would be living with for the weeks going ahead. And I think they could, you could kind of tell, what have we got ourselves in for here? They looked out the window, the other band started arriving. They were carrying a pole dancer's stage, and the name of this band was called Paparazzi Whore, a six-piece band in which the lead singer was married to the bassist, but also going out with one of the other singers. Very different situation to what Dweeb are used to. The big questions started flying of uh, yeah, just trying to get, trying to rowl up Dweeb, trying to get under their skin with difficult questions about their faith, what their beliefs were. And the producer said, I can't see how they can find common ground to make music on without one of the bands seriously compromising their beliefs. The thing is, as this week went on, Dweeb just kept loving this other group. They kept engaging where they could and saying, our common thing, our music, our culture and music is what we're going to bond over. This is our love. Let's, let's start from here and then see what happens. They went to each other's gigs um, and Dweeb were there supporting them, wanting them to do well, saying, go for it. But there became a point when their, the, the, the punk band's gig turned for the debauched, is what the, uh, the narrator says. And Dweeb actually made themselves scarce. They leave at that point. And there was kind of a line for where they felt they could support. Now, throughout the week, one of the, uh, the other band members in the punk band actually became to start asking real questions about their faith and started to say, how is it that you guys are constantly nice? How is it that you guys are always positive? And they started to read the Bible and the lead singer of Dweeb was just sharing his faith, sharing what it was that made him tick. And in actual fact, the drama did unfold, as probably the TV producers wanted. But it was that one of the band members from the punk band decided that actually that wasn't the life for them anymore. And they left that band. They left that whole thing. They left Paparazzi Hall behind and stepped into a friendship with Dweeb because of the way that they were just living their life. It wasn't actually anything they, tr- they said 
specifically, they still had significant differences on what was right and wrong about sex before marriage or those kind of things. They still didn't have all of that ironed out, but actually there was something about the way that they lived their life that was attractive and distinctive. I'm totally uh, behind with my slides. But yeah, guess which one's dweeb? <laughs> But yeah, there's a reason why that documentary is still with me 10 years on. And I think it's because there's an example there that Dweeb had um, of how to live in a difficult environment within uh, dangerous territory where they were constantly at risk and pushed to compromise. But it still held strong because of their relationship with God. Linking it back to that passage before, all things to all men became weak to win the weak. They were happy to be in this environment to win those people around. And it wasn't done with uh, purely arguments and debate, but just living alongside them and showing love and grace. In 1 Peter says this, Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such good lives among the pagans, there's no them and us. It's actually together. We're in this world together. And yeah, there's, you've got to be careful. And you've got to guard yourself, and guard your heart about putting yourself into dangerous, dangerous situations. But actually, it's being with the people in this world, showing them an example of who Jesus is. And in fact, as always, Jesus is the greatest example of that. For God so loved the world that he came yeah, they actually came to the world, was part of it, shoulder to shoulder, with the tax collectors, with the sinners. I think I may have shared this before as well about when I was at uni, um, the first few months in, uh, made a few friends, um, life was good. And then a conversation came up in which it became obvious that I was a Christian. And they said to me, I would never have guessed. You're so normal. <laughs> and I took that as a compliment. I was like, great, I've succeeded. I'm not a weird Christian. But now when I look back and I think, right, so, I'm supposed to be salt and light. I was dead and I'd become alive. I was blind and given sight. All of these things that are talked about as when we uh, recognize Jesus as Lord and Savior. The Holy Spirit was living inside me. I was a whole new creation and yet no one noticed. 
and I wore that as a badge of honor. My lifestyle was no different, even though I knew the good news. Uh, I work for a charity called XLP, and we work with young people across London. Um, some of them can be quite difficult at times. And there's this one guy that um, we were working with for a number of years, and then he became the sports apprentice in our sports department, um, which meant that he was going to be working with us for a year um, and would have something on his CV, which he could maybe take on uh, to further his career. And for some reason, I just didn't get along with this guy. And that happens in life, doesn't it? There's always certain people that you kind of struggle with. And whenever he came into the office is when I put my headphones on. I just thought, let me just try and hide away. I found him very arrogant and very difficult to get along with. But one of the things that he learned throughout the year was this small thing about using positive language, particularly with the kids, and no swearing. A difficult thing for him to do uh, as he's grown up in an environment where that was okay. And then, after he's completed the year with us, he was given this opportunity with one of our supporters to go into the construction business. And he came back to kind of share his experiences and tell other supporters to potentially engage with XLP and give other young people that opportunity. And he started his little pitch with the story of how to be distinctive because... XLP had taught him not to swear. And then in the construction business, everyone is swearing. And he was like, it's just incredible actually to see one of those little things that made me distinctive in that environment. One of the things that being part of XLP made him different to other people that were engaged, he was engaging with. He became distinctive because he was rubbing shoulders with XLP. Where are we up to now? Aha. You see, I've just realized I say you see so often. It's one of my little... I have to try and remember that. Everyone is just one ask away. Levi was just one ask away. Jesus said, follow me, and he took that opportunity, and his life changed forever. I was just one ask away. And if we have a them and us mentality, that one ask away becomes a very difficult task. But when you're living alongside people, supporting them, encouraging them, enjoying the things that they are enjoying, being at the parties like Jesus was, not stepping the line, it's not stepping over the line, like Dweeb with that example of actually going, this is enough now, I'm, I'm leaving this gig, it's got too much. The things that are happening on stage, I don't want to be part of. So what is it that I'm really trying to say? I've written here, am I saying that you should sign up for a prison ministry or a drug rehab center? 
No, not necessarily. But actually, it's just that understanding um, that every person that we're engaging with, the them, actually was us at some point. And they're just one ask away. It's not always easy. There's, um, even this morning, there's people in my block of flats that just frustrate me so much. And I'll complain to Katie about how much we don't like them and how, much, how noisy they are. And they keep slamming the gate and waking us up. And the police were around last night again. But to them, I'm like... Let me just smile. Let me help with the pram. Let me help with the shopping. Let us leave cupcakes in the foyer area. Let us actually love them. And sometimes it's a struggle. Sometimes it's difficult. And I'll complain with Katie. But actually, I'm coming from a place where I really just want to promote God in their lives. And I won't always get it right. Um, but actually, that's, that's my inspiration. And that's where I am. That's my environment. That's my party. They're my Levi's and my Matthew's, the same person. Where are we up to? Salt and light. There we go. I feel like I've brought a somber mood. I don't know how I've done that. I didn't mean that at all. Normally I'm trying to be funny and joke around. Don't know how I've done it. Are we all, are we all still with me? We're all just about. There's a couple of nods. That's great. Right. Let me try and be positive. I feel like I've been sombered you all. I feel like this church is actually a brilliant example of diversity, of engaging with the public, of not just being here in this building and not doing anything else. I've only been here uh, for just over a year. Um, and I'd actually quite like to say thank you to everybody here. We were welcomed in so well. So well. Um, and again, I know we've been promoting house groups this morning, but house group was so good for us as well. And um, we were actually thinking of leaving London at one point. And we didn't have a church, so that was one thing that we weren't going to miss. Um, but we kind of came along here, we were welcomed. And then actually leaving London just seemed like a really difficult thing to do because we were part of a group of people that were loving their community. And I just want to encourage you guys um, to keep being in the world, but not of it. To keep being in those environments and being the light and the salt and putting your, your lamp on the, uh, the lampstand. Being proactive with it and sharing the good news that we have. Everyone is just one ask away. And in reality, it's up to them and God to sort that out.